98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort Masters, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. Got to start and end with Cardinals news in today's 4 o'clock reset. We'll start with the updates from Cliff Kingsbury on some of his injured players and when they might return. Kyler Murray was not back at practice today. The hope still is that he'll be back tomorrow for the red-white practice as he comes off of COVID. Tomorrow's day five, so I'm hoping that he'll be back tomorrow. Also, Cliff said today, tight end Zach Ertz missed another day with a calf injury. Cliff, as usual, was brief when answering if we should be worried long-term about Zach Ertz. No, no. <laughs> nope, we're good. Everything's good here. Kyla's injury, his brain was a little scrambled from having, called, having to call all the plays the other day. <laughs> um, so he's trying to get his brain right after having to call all those plays. Which I saw a lot of people who uh, took Cliff's comments a little seriously when he said that about about Kyler. And he was, it was just... This was, blank ain't easy? He was just choking. Well, of course he, he was. was just kidding. Yeah. He was having some it. fun. Who thought that was serious? A, a few people. A few people on social people media thought... Thought that it was it was Man. it was a needless kind of poke for Cliff to take it as quarterback. Really? And yeah, and I just thought that Those was people a need some marijuana gummies or something this weekend. <laughs> Go get a gummy. And John Wesley. In the meantime, Cliff did say that the team is waiting on the results from his MRI before determining the next steps. Um, it's potential. Uh, quote: We're really waiting to see how he responds. Then we'll know probably within the next week if he'll need some type of procedure or rehab and get us back to us fairly quickly. So talking out loud about some kind of procedure may be necessary for Antoine Wesley, and they'll know more when they get the results yeah, back at listen, the MRI. Yeah, listen, see, he's definitely a player that they like. I don't think there's any question about that. But keep your eye on Greg Dortch. He stood out so far in camp, and he's a talented wide receiver, so he may get a lot of reps right now. Diamondbacks are back home tonight. They're taking on the Rockies. Madison Bumgarner gets the start for the Snakes, but a lot of focus has not been at the beginning of the games, rather at the end of the games. We had Tori on the show earlier today, and the manager of the Diamondbacks, when asked by Gambo, pressed by Gambo, if Ian Kennedy is under consideration to be the closer, Tori said this. Is he under consideration right now to be the closer? Yes, he is. Then later... It took four questions to get to that point. He kept saying, yeah, we haven't decided yet. Baloney, of course you've decided who's going to close the game tonight. Well, it was pretty obvious, I think, to us, even in the moment, that he had yet to have a conversation with the players. Because yes. later, after meeting with the media before the game, and this came down in the last uh, 20 minutes or so, Tori Lovello says he will shift to a closer-by-committee approach for the ninth inning. So I think it's safe to surmise that when we talked to Tori 230, he knew he was going to do that. Yeah. He just he needed not, to talk to Mark Melanson sure. and Ian Kennedy and the involved parties, yeah. and he didn't want to say anything on the radio. He had show. not been able to tell Mark Melanson yet that he is no longer the sole closer on this baseball club. So yep. he had to wait till Melanson came in and tell him, and that's why he kind of stalled with us. But but with the, we pushed him enough to get, there, to get the answer that we needed. Also, uh, the Diamondbacks mentioned, uh, Torrey mentioned specifically that Humberto Castellanos uh, has uh, a torn elbow ligament and will need UC 
UCL surgery. Did I get that right, guys? My internet just went out on me for a second, but I believe that's what he said about Humberto Castellanos and what he's going to need to have done. Tommy John, yeah, thank you. Tommy John surgery, that's what I thought I said. Yeah, same thing, right? UCL yeah, torn, surgery, torn UCL. Torn, yeah. yeah, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. My internet went out on me for a second, so I wanted to make sure I got what? that right. Dodgers put Clayton Kershaw on the injured list with low back pain today. Man. I mean that's I mean that's that's a that's a blow for them. They're you know they're they're getting their some of their key starting pitchers back, but Kershaw's been pretty good for them this year. And former Cardinal Calais Campbell said on the NFL Network earlier today that this year might be it. I'm in a place right now where I'm like I'm just taking it this year. You know I know I got this year in me. I don't know if there's anything left after that, but I'm gonna leave it all on the tank. I'm a, I mean I'm, I'm gonna leave it all on the field. I'm gonna empty the tank. And when it's all said and done after this year, I mean you know I'll reconvene in the, in the off season and see where I'm at. But right now. I'm, I'm preparing like this is my last year, so I'm gonna give everything I have. He'll turn. Talk about a player that, like, you know, when you let him go, like, okay, because he was getting older, but like, you probably should have kept him. Like, he's 35 years old. Yeah, he's like, and he's like, he had good years after he left the Arizona Cardinals. Really good years. He's played 14 years in the NFL. This will be year number 15. How many years away from Arizona? Is it four now? Five. Three with Jacksonville. Two with Baltimore. And how many sacks did he have that one year in Jacksonville? Uh, 14 and. 14 and a half. 14 and a half. He'll turn 36 on September 1st. But our top story of the day today on the Burns in Gambo show comes to us from the Arizona Cardinals and quite frankly was fairly predictable given what had happened yesterday. James Saxon, the assistant coach for the Cardinals, their running backs coach, was uh, arrested. He was charged, I should say, with two counts of domestic battery back in Indianapolis in May. The alleged incident happened on May 7th. Um, He was charged with two counts on May 25th. The case is in a holding pattern until August 25th. We found out about it yesterday through the reporting of Josh Weinfuss of ESPN.com. To nobody's surprise, today the Cardinals organization put their running backs coach on leave. Yeah, he's been placed on administrative leave. I know um, we just released a statement on it, and that's really what I have on it at this time. The statement, quote, we are aware of the incident and notified the NFL is required. The matter is currently under review pursuant to league policies. After consultation with the league office, James has been placed on paid administrative league leave, I should say. We will have no further comment pending additional proceedings. Okay, I, I am th- th- this one's got me because this is this sends a really bad message for the Arizona Cardinals if they knew about this. If he reported it and told them right away, you know, what happened, arrested, it's a, a domestic, domestic violence charge and they didn't put him on administrative leave right away and they let him coach like that's a you know listen I'm not going to sugarcoat this that's an awful look for the Arizona Cardinals yeah. if this is true I don't I almost because they kind of said that they we were made aware of it when it happened but then it makes no sense to me that you would let that guy start training camp. You would let that guy coach these coach. He's being accused of domestic violence. This is a serious accusation here. I I don't want him leading my men. If he did this, I would have put him on administrative leave right away until the situation sorts itself out. Yeah. Here is the question that was posed to Cliff Kingsbury today, and this includes the question. So it's all within context. Did you know about the Saxon arrest? prior to yesterday. We knew when it happened. We knew when it happened. That's a, that's a really bad look. That, I mean, if, if, I hope Cliff misspoke there because, hey, we knew that, you know, he's being accused of, 
you know, forearming this woman into the garage in front of her children and he got arrested. But you know what? We think he's a good coach. We're going to have him go out. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. You wouldn't have done that. I, I don't think that's, I mean, did Michael Bidwell not know about it? And, and did it not get to the top? I can, domestic violence is not tolerated. It should never be tolerated. I mean, it, it shouldn't be. I, I just can't. I, I can't rack that through my brain that the Cardinals knew about it when it happened and they didn't immediately put him on administrative leave until the, the, the system decided whether he's innocent or guilty. And again, per the story from Josh on ESPN.com, a warrant was issued for Saxon's arrest on May 25th. It was recalled on June 8th, according to court records. Uh, the case is in a holding pattern until August 25th. The alleged incident happened on May 7th. So it happened allegedly on the 7th. A warrant was issued for his arrest on May 25th. It was recalled on June 8th. The case is in a holding pattern until August 25th. That's everything we know, and for the record, I agree with everything you said. The idea that they knew about it then, but are only doing something about it now, right now, is 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 not a because good look. Because it got, because it it got out. Hey, yeah. God, I got, we got to put him on administrative leave now because it got out. Yeah. If it didn't get out, you would have let him keep coaching? I just... That's, that's not that's not Michael Bidwell. I'm surprised at this. I'm really surprised at that. So a couple of months ago, a month ago or so, Gambo had reported that the Brooklyn Nets are not interested in DeAndre Ayton as a piece in a Kevin Durant trade. Right. Is there anything DeAndre Ayton can do to change that? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. Kevin Durant. Watch. The latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. The minute the Kevin Durant report came out that he wanted to be traded, this was on June 30th. And it was the biggest story of the day, obviously, because the preference was that he wanted to go either to the Suns or to the Heat. And we had heard that it was really the Suns, that he wanted to go play with Book, he wanted to go play with Paul, right? So obviously, we all remember that day. We all remember June 30th. It was a month and a half ago now, or we've just been kind of sitting on this one, wondering if anything was going to happen. And admittedly, it's all kind of died out. Maybe this the biggest thing that happened in that moment was when you had reported that the Nets weren't interested in DeAndre Ayton. Two sources. I had two sources that told me the Nets do not want DA back. And that was the same day that we got word that, that Kevin Durant right. wanted out. So I immediately shot down DA to the Nets because they didn't want him. And, and and if you start doing the math in your head, if you start trying to figure it out, if you start, you, you think to yourself, well, then how is it going to get done? How can this happen? How can the, and, and suddenly, and I, I remember getting. It made it harder. It made it oh, harder it, to it figure out it, how to make a deal. Not impossible. But it made it difficult, right? Because you just assumed, okay, well, you got this potentially franchise center and you sign him and you trade him and you make the salaries match up otherwise and boom, you make it happen. Without DeAndre Eaton as part of the picture, it does. It makes it very, very challenging, very, very difficult to get something like that done. So fast forward now a month and a half later, and there was the story on Bleacher Report in which it's kind of speculated on who are the most acquirable assets still in a Kevin Durant trade. And they listed DeAndre Ayton. Now, immediately I read this. You read it. We thought exactly the same thing. DeAndre Ayton, the Nets don't want DeAndre Ayton. We know this. You've reported this. And it can't be traded until January 15th. And it can't be traded until January 15th. And he has a full no trade. So the 
idea that DeAndre Ayton is is still an asset that the Nets would want. He was never an asset the Nets wanted. No. But I got us thinking. Is there something DeAndre Ayton can do between now and January 15th when he is eligible to be traded that would make him an asset that the Nets would suddenly want and change their minds on? And that's where we start going off in all sorts of weird branches of what this story might end up being. The Nets don't end up with anything. Boston's not offering Jalen Brown. The Suns aren't offering Mikhail Bridges. Uh, You're not going to get Bam out of bio because you've obviously... um, you know, you've got some designated rookie extension rule deals and stuff like that you got to deal with. So, so initially, when I shot down DA to the Nets, that was in the, the infancy phases of the Nets trading Kevin Durant. A month and a half goes by. They still haven't traded him. You know what could change it? I hadn't thought about this the first time we talked about it earlier. What could change it is you may get to the point where, man, DeAndre Ayton really was the best thing that we could have gotten in the deal. And that, you know, you get to January and you haven't traded Kevin Durant and your team's not doing well. He's not happy. And your team sucks. You might be like, you might be like, let's just get, let's just get Ayton and, and, but again, time, time. What, what changes time? On June 30th, the Nets probably thought that they we could can have do better. Toronto, Boston, yeah. Miami, the Suns, the Warriors. Everybody's going to want Kevin Durant. Here it is a month and a half, a month and a half later. You still haven't made a deal. Mm-hmm. So January may be, it just might be time. Six months have passed, and the best player you could have gotten maybe was DeAndre Ayton. Now, of course, so much depends on, uh, there's so many variables here in trying to figure this out. Okay, it, it obviously, it assumes that Kevin Durant starts the season on the Nets, obviously. How is he playing? How are they playing? How competitive are they? How much of a problem is he being? What's going on with Kyrie, right? I mean, just just the variables from the Nets' perspective, right? I mean, there's a million different ways this could all turn out from their and the Suns perspective. And, the, and I was going to say, that's not even counting what's going on with the Suns. How's Aiton playing? How are they playing? What's their record? January 15th, we figured it out. That's Third. basically the halfway point of the season. Last year, they were 33-9. and nine. Okay, if they're 33-9 and nine again on January 15th. How do you, how do you trade anybody on that roster? It's, it's going to be a... It's And yet, I was just about to say it's going to be a really tough sell, and yet, it's Kevin Durant. It's your opportunity to go capture one of the generational players of this era in the NBA. A guy who still, I mean, is anything is anything about our thinking of Kevin Durant really going to change between now and January 15th? Unless he gets injured. Nope. If he's healthy, he still is the best shot you have at winning your first ever championship. You would not have a training camp with him. You would not have a training camp for him to and, get used to. I mean, you would and, literally just bring him in and start playing with the guys right away. So that's another question. Do you, in essence, waste one of Chris Paul's years on what's going to be a throwaway season with Kevin Durant? Does acquiring him halfway through the year make it a throwaway season because you don't have a camp? You don't have time to acclimate. You don't have time for everybody to figure out how to play with each other. And if so, probably not. have you, you wasted sac- one of Chris Paul's years? No, because you could probably sacrifice 10 games, play go 5-5, five and five, and just figure it out while the season's going on. You'd have no choice. Remember when the Diamondbacks got Kurt Schilling? Sure. Okay, they didn't win that year. No, they the did first not. year they got him. Not at all. They, they didn't win. They tried to, but they didn't. But that... Then the next year they did. Yeah, but they didn't have a Chris Paul type who was on the clock. Chris Paul is on the clock. 
I mean, this, this. You would think that you would think that if Kevin Durant got traded to the Suns in January, that there would be an you would there would be an initial. 10-game period of everybody's got to get used to playing with them. It's well, I know, but, but, but you just brought up the Schilling example yeah. as an example of, hey... It's the best I had. Yeah, well, but, but it kind of argues the opposite of that. Schilling argues, hey, they got Kurt Schilling. In theory, they should have been great right away. They weren't. It, it, they, they, they weren't. They weren't. The, the 2000 season, they weren't great. It but wasn't until even, 2001. This is even more of a team having to gel and play together. I mean, they haven't played with, no, they haven't played with Kevin Durant. Yeah. They, these guys have not played with Kevin Durant, so you would have... You would probably take it on a chin and lose some basketball games and suffer for a few weeks and, and use that time to get everybody used to playing with him. But the goal would be to just ramp it up right before the playoffs start. So you would still have 40 games left if you sacrifice 10 or 15. And even if you lost positioning in the, in the standings, if it, in the end he, he, you get him to, to adjust to playing with everybody and they get adjusted to playing with him, it could be worth it. Now, I'm trying to think in my mind, too, what would DeAndre Ayton have to do to change the Nets' minds about DeAndre Eaton, uh, because I believe your report is absolutely correct. They didn't want him, so what would have to change for them to want him? And I think what would have to happen is that he would have to play for those three months like the DeAndre Eaton we saw play for the two months of the 2021 playoffs. That guy, that guy, who balled out as hard as he could every night for two straight months, he plays that like that for the first three months of the season. I could see the Nets going, you know, on second thought, that might be the best we're going to be able to get for plays. Kevin Durant. But if he does that, do you want to trade him? Do you want to trade him? If he's playing at an all-star caliber level, do you want to trade him? 24-year-old center playing at an all-star level. Finally, it all clicked. It all clicked, and he put it all together, and he's playing great. Now the Nets want him. You may not want to trade him. You might not want to. And he, listen, he still has the ability to say no. That's true. He has the ability to say, I ain't, I'm not going there. Yep. I'm going to play for that. You know team. what? And this is also something that I think, in a little way, is unfair is that this January 15th thing, it's going to hang over Aiton. It's going to hang over the organization for the first few months of the season. You know, everybody's going to be looking at the date, wondering, is this a countdown to trading Aiton? Is it on? Is they- Unless DeAndre Ayton comes out at some point and somebody asks him a question, is there any scenario which you would accept a trade this year off the Phoenix Suns? And he says no. Then, And I don't know if it's going to come to that. And if it doesn't, then, and like I say, it's a little unfair to Ayton that, he's, that this is going to hang over him and hang over them because that January 15th date, man, it's, it's, it's going to be talked about. It's it's. Oh, but what if James Jones comes out and says there's no scenario in which we trade DeAndre Ayton this year? Well, I, I mean, those are you still think it comes. I I, I I you think that ends all speculation? I don't. I think people will. Con- I think fans will continue to speculate. I think media will continue to speculate. I as think long it'll as still as be Kevin a talking Durant point. is with the Nets and wants out, there will be speculation. Yep. Yep. When we come back, what benefit would there be for ASU and U of A to split and play in separate conferences? Would something like that even be on the table? We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Friday music playlist. Welcome back to the Burns and Gambo show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day. We turn it back over to Eric Ruby here on this Friday. 
Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll update. Presented by Sanderson Ford. It's right. good vibe music, Burnsy, but unfortunately, the Cardinals offseason has pretty much been anything but good vibes. There haven't been a lot of good vibes. Not yet. a lot of The red and white practice is officially a sellout. There you go. There you go. There you go. Officially sold out, even though tickets are free. I never, I, I never would have imagined out. that I'd turn to you for positive news, Gambo. But, you know, the more things change, I guess, right? So Gambo's delivering the positive news. It's been, let's be honest, it's been a rough couple of weeks for the Arizona Cardinals organization. Between the homework clause, the removal of the homework clause, Hollywood Brown, now James Saxon. It's been, it, it has not been the ideal start to training camp for the organization. And this is a question that I'm looking at. Gimbo, What's the best news they've had? What's the best news the, the Cardinals The Kyler had? contract, I'm pretty sure. Okay, but it was, but, but it came kind of with a caveat, right? It, like, a, it did. It was a crazy. But he still got the contract. The, like, it still got done. What's the cleanest DJ part Humphreys. of best Humphreys. news? DJ Humphreys. Okay, DJ Humphreys? DJ Humphreys okay. is the cleanest news. That's the best news you've had so far. Um, Rodney Hudson returning was great news. Oh, you, you know go. what? There that's, you go. that's a good call. I'm looking for positive vibes on a Friday, guys. The title of all is negativity. <laughs> Tired of it. Right, what, well, are the, uh, for, what are the four best positive things that have happened to the Cardinals since the offseason started? Two or since, linemen, since camp started? Humphreys. Oh, since camp started, then you take Hudson out of it. If you take, right, I, could go to la- I could go to last three weeks. What, okay. how, whatever you, however you want to play this. Hudson. Okay. Humphreys. Hudson came back. Hudson, Humphreys, Kyler. Okay. Separating. Okay. Okay. Separating. Give me one stuff. more. Give me one more. Um, the coolest nickname on the team, Starbacker. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Is there any new uniform or car? Or, oh, the helmet. The black helmet. The black helmet. Yeah. The black helmet. Come on. <laughs> you got a black helmet. It's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Had those cool little red flecks in it and everything. Yeah. Right. Not you bad. got a cool helmet. Gambo, you are a bright side That's of life kind of guy. driving home right now. They don't want the negativity. <laughs> it's Friday. Got the weekend. Got one positive vibes right here. Positive. Well, I feel bad bringing it back to the I was say, because that's not what the question is today, but okay, Gambo, thanks for building this up before we throw you back down again. Uh, what is the question today? All right, well, uh, it, I don't know if we're going to make it super negative. I'm sorry, Gambo, but I think we might be. Do you feel like these distractions, these negative vibes that Gambo hates so much, are they going to leak over into the regular season? Will it affect their on-the-field play? No. Simple, yes or no? Nah. No, I don't think so either. Now, earlier, Gambo correctly pointed out that usually I am a big distraction guy. I yes, thought I, yes. I thought with ASU last year it was going to be a distraction. I'm worried with DeAndre Ayton it's going to be a distraction. This you were t- worried that not having Mitch's Chick-fil-A sandwich in the order today was going to be a distraction for the show. And because yet, we did, they, they forgot to put his sandwich in our order. And yet Mitch was just flawless back there today. He's pushed every yeah. button. It's been chef's kiss good back there, including the Friday I'm in Love song on a Friday. Friday. I mean, that's just a perfect touch on a Friday afternoon. I, you know what? The difference to me with this one, with ASU, was easy. I mean, all of those coaches looking over their shoulders. How are they going to focus on coaching a football team? I, I, I think that you know one. I, you were right on that one. Th- that one, I think, were, is, was, I was clear as day. That they were going to be distracted. Thank Players you. admitted that afterwards. Yeah, they did. They, they admitted afterwards it was a distraction. It was I a didn't distraction. think it would be, but you were right. The Aiton thing, I don't know if that's going to be a distraction. I, I'm worried it could be, just because I don't know how he perceives his importance to the organization since they got 
got them on kind of a discount. I, I just that one I I don't know. I, I'm wondering the ASU one. I knew that was going to be a distraction. You, I was convinced, one hundred percent right. This they one, I'm, I'm just conv- I, I don't think I think once they snap that football against Kansas City, they're not going to be thinking about homework clauses or 126 miles an hour or or anything. They're just going to go play football. That's what I think. So, well, the people might want the positive vibes on a Friday gamble, but they're certainly not bringing them. 63.9% say yes. The distraction-filled summer will impact their play on the field. 36.1% going with you guys, though, saying absolutely not. Honestly, that's a little closer than I thought. I, I, I thought it was going to be more in the 70th percentile, to be honest. So uh, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gamble Twitter page at Burns and Gamble. One word is where it's located right there on social media. In the meantime, and we, I, Gambo spent, you know, summer vacation and all that. And I got mine coming up in a couple of weeks. But, but this was something that we actually talked about. But I'm curious to get your thoughts about it. Are ASU and U of A, when it comes to conference realignment, do you think they're a package deal? No. You think where one goes, the other must follow, or can they operate independently of each other? I think they can operate independently. Tell me why. Because it's like, I know the rivalry means a lot to a lot of people, but the, like, it, they're not good. They're not good. Okay? The, the best program that they have is U of A basketball by a country mile. U of A football and ASU football, the Territorial Cup, and it goes back for a long... I mean, I get it. Like, I get that. But you know what? The, the, the programs are never that good. These aren't premier football programs. And, you know, you can have rivalries for 100 years and teams stop playing. And it does happen. Like, it does happen. So I don't I don't think that they have to be. And it does, there's nothing I could say that you can't play each other in some non-conference games if you're not in the same conference. So I, I don't think they have to be a package deal. I don't think they have to be a package deal either um, because I, I do think they are, even though the football programs are in kind of similar states to a certain extent, I, I think they, they're very different from each other. They're, they're very, the markets are very different from each other. How they're perceived within their markets are very different from each other. And, and I think even their leadership to a certain extent is very different. I, I think University of Arizona Athletics is a little more committed to being excellent at athletics, especially the big money football, basketball parts of it. Whereas ASU, I think they take a more kind of Michael Crow sort of holistic view of it all. And maybe it's not as big of a priority to them as it is down south. So I, I think they're very different in how they operate and how they exist in the markets they're in. So I, I don't think they're tied. And honestly, there's one thing that we've learned about this conference realignment so far. I mean, look, Oklahoma left Oklahoma State in the dust. Sure. You know, Texas left everybody else in Texas in the dust. You'll form new rivalries. Oregon was, you know, at least Colorado. rumored. Colorado left Colorado. I mean, they were not in the same conference, but yeah, I mean, it's it's Oregon. If they were going to leave, they were going to leave Oregon no, State, but Washington, Colorado's same thing. rivalries were, I mean, I'm sure they had good rivalry. Nebraska, when they left their conference to, to join the Big Ten, right? There was always big rivalries for Nebraska. So it just, you know, it happens. You end up, you end up uh, forming new rivalries. It's Sometimes you got rivalries go back a hundred years. I get it. Like I do get it. But if it's if it's what's best for each program, then you got to do what's best for you, not what not what not what's best for the both of you. The reason I bring it up, John Wilner, we like John a lot. He's the Pac-12 insider for the San Jose Mercury News. He had a, a text, a tweet thread today, and I just took some screenshots of it because I knew it, it was interesting and we want to talk about it. I want to preface it by saying um, that he writes, "I don't think this is likely for a variety." of reasons, but 
as part of this tweet thread, he kind of suggests that Arizona might be more interested in the Big 12 than other schools in the Pac-12 are. That that the Big 12 might be a better fit for Arizona than it is for other schools in the Pac-12. He goes, in some respects, Arizona is more of a Big 12 school than a Pac-12 school. But even he acknowledged that, you know, that said, the Wildcats would need a partner to go to the Big 12, whether it's ASU, Colorado, Utah, even somebody like Memphis, that they just couldn't go by themselves. They'd have to bring somebody with them to keep the numbers even and keep everything's kind of balanced in the conference. He even went so far as to suggest, and this is a quote, in some ways, the Pac-12 would be better off with a one-for-one swap, Arizona to the Big 12 and San Diego State to the Pac-12. You wouldn't be losing anything in Arizona football, but you'd be losing the premier basketball. You just lost UCLA, okay? And if you lose UCLA and Arizona, you're, you, you, what do you have in basketball? What do you have? You lose UCLA and Arizona? That's your two premier programs. You don't have. But Arizona then goes to the Big 12 with Kansas, which the should defending be national champs. Beautiful basketball conference. Six Big 12 teams made the uh, the tournament Houston, last year. TCU, Baylor. Baylor. Oh, it'd be a great it'd basketball be a, it'd conference. It'd be a really, really good basketball yeah, conference. Yeah, it would be. I, it was, like, again, he says he doesn't think it's going to happen, but it was a little conversation he went down on. I thought it'd be fun for us to talk about. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, Diamondbacks getting ready to be back home starting a series with the Colorado Rockies. We'll talk to our good friend, Bally Sports Arizona's Todd Walsh. She'll join us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo talk Diamondbacks baseball with a D-backs broadcaster. The Booth. It's like it was meant to happen. Um, Todd Walsh being on our show today, Gambo, and here's the reason why. Yeah, uh, a podcast I really enjoy listening to on a regular basis is a podcast called The Rewatchables. They take movies that are older movies or even some newer movies, and they say they're they're they're, they're rewatchable. They're like every time you see them on, you just stop and you watch them again. Can't buy and me again. love. They just did a podcast yeah. on Can't Buy Me Love. One of the greatest no. movies of all time. I'm serious, Todd. They just no. did. Todd Walsh. For from Bally Sports Arizona, who was in... Starred, starred in Camp I Me Love. He, he starred, starred in Camp I Me Love. Co-starred. Co-starred. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Patrick Dempsey would like a word. Um, they Bill Simmons, I'm not sure who else is on the pod with him, but uh, Bill Simmons, that is their latest edition of the Rewatchables, Camp Buy Me Love. Movie. Fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. I just listened to uh, one of theirs, uh, when James Conn passed away, the Misery podcast. Yes. Um, and I, and I, I don't want to thank him in advance, because that just means more money coming to me. I just got the biggest residual check that I've gotten in a couple of months. Uh, it was it was almost $13, which I was looking at the list. <laughs> wow. People were actually buying the movie, and, and that's just remarkable. So thank you, Bill Simmons. Yeah, because he, he'll talk about it. Oh, yes, he will. People will download the podcast. They will immediately <laughs> yes. re-watch Can't Buy Me Love. Uh-huh. Your your residual check might be the next one you get. Mm, you get a monthly? $16. Yeah, you get a monthly, Todd? Or is yeah, it, well, is it, it seems like it's every month. I I will I will promise you once again if, uh, if if it eclipses the last one I had I will I will show up at your studio and buy you a half a cup of coffee with all the money that we've garnered okay appreciate promise that. appreciate that thank okay. you Thursday's got his own coffee maker in there like no. he, he's got his own uh, yeah, they, take they, care they, of you John the, oh, right, yeah good. yeah Gambo's yeah. thinking about getting into coffee which is which is oh, good no 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 yeah. that's impossible yeah. we need to we need to put a stop to that I like the mocha the mocha the mocha 
mocha. The I said mocha. Oh, man. Mochas. Like, it's, it's like chocolate, like a hot chocolate. A mocha. Yeah, I just want to hear you order, uh, let's see, a grande mocha at the drive-thru at Starbucks. That yeah. would be my highlight. It would be my nightmare, Todd. Mm-hmm. It really would. Yes, it will be all of us. Uh, yes. Indeed. Uh, Todd Walsh from Valley Sports Arizona. He's joining us uh, tonight, the D-backs and the Colorado Rockies. And uh, you're, you're a professional wordsmith, Todd, and we... I, I want to ask you about this right out of the gates because I know you'll have something wonderful to say about the life and times of Vin Scully because it was, you know, we, we uh, the other day on our show, every half hour we played a Vin Scully play-by-play call yep. to honor him and, and what he meant for all baseball fans, all sports fans. I'm sure for you, you were lucky enough to interact with him probably on several occasions, and for that I'm very envious. Yeah, um, yes, and uh, it was a, I mean, I, I used to have to pinch myself when I would walk into Dodger Stadium in particular. There's a shot of Dodger Stadium looking into home plate that you, uh, I'm sure many of your listeners can just visualize instantly. John, you and I growing up in the East Coast and in and around New York, um, that was just such a signature shot and I would walk in, and literally I still do it every time I go to Dodger Stadium and I look up at the press box as we walk in from the team bus and I just shake my head and that was uh, that was his home and to be up there you know, multiple times a year and then to see him when he was still traveling to Arizona and, and having him on the pregame show a few times, it was a thrill. I will say this, though, there is a connection to all three of us here talking because, I, and I'm going to try and get this out on the air tonight on our pregame show on Valley Sports, and that is his connection to the Valley. Um, people that have been around here for a while, and I actually had a guy, when I, when I got my oil change yesterday, said, you know Vince Scully used to be the voice of baseball in Arizona, and he's right. Yep. And I remember in 1988 when I first got here, I was on the, the old 620 sports line with Greg Schulte and Tim Roy and then Jude Lacava after that, and we would go up against Dodger baseball on KOI every night, and that was a formidable task, and I, I will tell you a very quick story. I used to live in Tempe and Broadway McClintock, and I would leave the show early. I never had to st- stick around until the, the final hour, the 9 o'clock hour, so I'd go, and on my way home, I would stop off at a place called Casey at the Bat, which was uh, a batting cage that was nearby the drive-in theaters in, in Scottsdale. Ray Echebaron owned it, the brother of Andy Echebaron. Andy Echebaron from New Baltimore Orioles. See, see, there you go. Do so, you have an Andy Echebaron baseball card? I think he was a catcher. Yeah, he had really he had, he had one eyebrow. He had a unibrow. Yeah, <laughs> um, was he a catcher? Yes, he was. I'll send I, you one from Todd's garage. I, I totally remember remember Andy yes. Echebaron from the Orioles. So, long story short, I would I would go to the batting cages around nine nine fifteen any night during the week, and I would walk in thinking I'm going to listen to the show that I just produced and reported on the six twenty sports line, and I would walk up and I'd walk into the cage, but there was no way because you had to listen to Dodger baseball and Vince Scully. And I remember I just shake my head and like I just got beat by Vince Scully. So there is a connection. He was a voice of Major League Baseball here in the Valley for forever and a day. But if I could take that one step further, uh, I'm going to play a clip from an interview that we did with Brian Cranston um, from Breaking Bad a few years back. We we were able to go to the set of Breaking Bad or near the set in Albuquerque, and the whole hook of the the trip that we took is because we found out that Brian Cranston, the three-time Emmy Award-winning actor and the star of that hit show, had an obsession with Major League Baseball. But we found out that night after night after night after he, after he would work on, on Breaking Bad, he had a home in Albuquerque that he rented. It was very hard for him to watch his beloved Dodgers because Albuquerque, New Mexico,
Mexico is Diamondbacks television territory. <laughs> so when I sat down with Brian, um, he had a wonderful comment about what it was like to listen to Vince Scully when he was a child. He had a rough childhood. His parents were divorced. And as he said in that interview, and I'm going to re-air tonight, that for two or three hours a night, Vince Scully reminded him that everything was going to be okay. And that, to me, is a reminder of what broadcasting really is all about in live sports, that we have a commitment, we have a responsibility to remind people that this is just comfort food. And, it, you know, balls and strikes are great, and the drama is great, but you know what? Sometimes people tune in our show, our broadcasts, to just feel good. And Vince Scully delivered that in spades. Good. Yeah. Well and also, also to bring back blasts from the past that nobody has heard their name in 50 years like Andy Etchebarron. There you go. That's <laughs> why I'm here. listening right now are like, I haven't heard Andy Etchebarron's name since the 60s. No. I, I wasn't born in the 60s, and I haven't heard Andy. He was, the catcher, on the, he was the catcher with all those great Orioles pitchers. Uh, yes, he was. Mm-hmm. You'll get a baseball card within a week, sir. I promise. And Andy Etchebarron baseball card. Oh, when, wow. so, when Todd delivers Big. from his garage, I, I've, I've received stuff in the mail from yeah. Todd's garage. It's, I'm waiting for Ken Kendrick to send me a baseball card. No, those, those are worth a lot of money. Now. <laughs> Let's talk a little baseball here. Let me get let me get your thoughts on David Peralta being traded. Good diamond back. Not a great diamond back, but a very good diamond back for a long time. Yeah. Gets a chance to go to Tampa. He got a, he had a big hit the other day to help them win a game. Uh, obviously, it opens up a spot for McCarthy to play every day and left. Maybe get Corbin Carroll up here. But give me your thoughts on having covered David Peralta for all these years. Um, you know, clearly it was inevitable. I thought actually it was going to happen uh, last year. I know that he desperately didn't want that to happen. Um, and I love what Mike Hazen said in his press conference about that, that, hey, we understand and recognize that David Peralta was a fan favorite here, and he clearly was. Very active in the community and really table touch with fans every single day here at the ballpark. I saw that and even on the road. But as Mike Hazen said, we, we like to think we have new sort of faces of the franchise, and it's going to be their time. And, and I thought that's the best way to put that, and it's the best way to think about it. And now these guys are going to get out there and get big-time reps. So I hope David gets to play and, and some some games that are meaningful along the way, and I wish him the best. He was always open to anything that we ever did here on, on Valley Sports and our coverage, and I, I know Jody Jackson can speak to that as well. But I just the word that comes to mind was inevitable. This is the process, and uh, it was it was time to move on, and, and I think he understood that. That's probably the best part about that. All right, Sod, so you'll have that Brian Cranston cut yep. tonight mm-hmm. on Valley Sports, and that residual check from Bill Simmons doing you're, Can't Buy Me Love on the Rewatchables. You're not kidding me, right? Bill Simmons, this is one of the best podcasts out of, outside of Smartless. Uh, that's the only other podcast I listen to. Those are you are, kidding me? Those are my two favorite podcasts as well. I, we, I, you, I swear you and I haven't talked about this right up until this moment. Those <laughs> are the two podcasts it. I listen to as well. And yeah, somebody, one of our listeners, Jake, sent us a link to it. Uh, Gambo, this episode was made for you. Can't buy me love oh, with love Bill Simmons movie. on the Rewatchables. So yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not pulling your leg. You can listen to the Can't Buy Me oh. Love Rewatchables podcast. So. I just hope he doesn't crucify Stocky Jones, which, <laughs> which you know what? You know, he will have every right to do. I hope he doesn't either. Todd, thank you for the time. You know we appreciate it. Be well. Good to see you guys, and, and uh, great job. I, I listen to you every day. Thank you. Thanks, Todd. We appreciate right, it. Thanks. Todd yeah. Walsh, Valley Sports, joining us from down at the ballpark. And yes, go IMDB. It's co-star of Can't Buy Me Love, the Patrick Dempsey classic from the 80s. Love when somebody brings up a name that you haven't heard in 40 years. It's funny, right? Yeah, it's good. When we come back, are the Cardinals better served to be aggressive in free agency next year when you look at the list of guys who are available? We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show.